Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast, the place to learn field-tested, no BS tactics to growth hack your online business, and finally, live life on your own terms. Now, your host, Gael and Mark. Hey guys, welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. My name is Mark, and I'm joined once again by Gail. How's it going? Pretty good. Very happy to be here. Never done that podcast before. <laughs> Sense a bit of sarcasm there. So <laughs> today's podcast is actually going to be another Ask Us Anything type podcast. We've had quite a few questions piling up lately, actually. So for those people being angry at us not answering the questions, actually. So we're going to try to, you know, redeem ourselves today. I guess. <laughs> so for those of you who don't know, this is basically kind of like a Reddit Ask Us Anything style question and answer session. So if you go to authorityhacker.com forward slash ask, you can submit your question. And for most of them, not all of them, most of them, we will answer them either in a podcast like this or at the end of one of our regular weekly podcasts. And there is actually now an option on there to submit an audio recording. So if you click the little microphone button, you can actually speak and record your question there. So we're actually going to be answering all of those questions. So for the at least for the near future, until too many people start doing it, we're going to definitely be answering all those questions of people who submit those by voice. So if you want your question answered, please uh, try and do that. Show notes for this episode, you can find them at authorityhacker.com forward slash 69. That's the number 69. It seems like not that long ago, we were just at like number number one. Seem to have been going for a while now. It seems like you don't want to pay any kind of money to a charity you hate. (laughs) absolutely so we are just three weeks away now guys from authority hacker pro being available once again if you don't know what authority hacker pro is it's our premium course aimed at people who are running websites and want to grow them and or make more money from them it's massively massively popular but 250 300 something videos in there Uh, I think you're exaggerating a bit here. We're around 200, but yeah, that's already a lot. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so aside from all the videos, it's split up into a bunch of blueprints. You have things like how to outsource content creation, all of our best link building tactics, um, how to create your own info products, do affiliate marketing, anything you'd want to need to know to do with authority size basically i think one thing that people really like in it is all the templates as well so we kind of template everything so you don't have to so if you have you either can like copy paste like templates for like lead magnets or outreach templates or even checkout pages now and pretty much anything you need to at least build the first version of any tactic then obviously you should personalize it, make it your own, et cetera, eventually when it works, but it allows you to take a tactic and you know implement it in a day or something on your site and speed things up a lot. Yeah, so, so if, you, if you have actually been on the receiving end of what seems like the same outreach email from several different random people, we probably um, wrote, there's a good yeah. chance that those are our <laughs> templates, actually. Um, so if you guys want to check that out or are interested in learning more, please go to authorityhacker.com forward slash pro. It has not been available since... September, I think, of last year. It's about eight, nine months ago. So uh, if you are interested in checking it out this time around, it's only going to be available for a very, very short time. Make sure you're subscribed to that uh, that list. That's authorityhacker.com forward slash pro. Okay, let's get on with the questions, shall we? All right. 
Okay, so the first question is an audio question, and I'm just going to play it now. Hi, my name is Anonymous. I don't really want to say my name. My question is, um, since Health Ambition is primarily using like skyscraper technique to build really, you know, to build um, links to your very high quality pages, how are you getting your your product reviews and your best product pages to rank? I mean, like your big money making pages where you're ranking to Amazon and reviewing products and stuff like that. I know it's really hard to build links to those type of pages because nobody really wants to link to it. Um, is it because your domain authority is so high now? So um, your best and product review pages are automatically ranking high by itself? Or are you also actively building links to your product review and best pages via guest posting? And yeah, that's basically my question. Thank you. Bye. Okay, so basically the question is, how do health ambition money pages rank without direct links? I mean, it's uh, basically we just rank because we have good authority, you know? It's it's very simple. We we don't build links to these pages. We tried at some point, did you? That's, that's not 100% true. So until fairly recently, we we weren't really building any direct links to these pages. For anyone that's tried any kind of sort of skyscraper type link building or any even any guest posting, you know, it's very difficult to build links to your overly commercial or uh, money pages, as some people call them. So for health ambition, the strategy was really just increase our overall domain authority by building links to info content and then let our money pages rank somewhat naturally. Um, and it's worked pretty that. well. It like, has. We've got to say, like it's, a, you know, we, we do build some links now, I know what you're going to say, but for a long time we didn't do it and we had a lot of good rankings for pages, you know? Yeah, for sure. And it's only really recently that we've started to actually go for try and build some links to these these pages. And it's always been the, the strategy we're using at the moment is when we have a successful link build, uh, like a link built, if we're able to establish a good relationship in the process, maybe a month or so later, we'll set ourselves a reminder to go back and ask for a second link. And when we ask for the second link, often it's in the form of a guest post or or something like that where we're creating content for them. Uh, so at that point, we put a, uh, or we try and get a, a link to one of our, our money pages. And that little, little trick's been really successful so far. I think everyone we've asked a hundred percent has uh has has agreed to it obviously it's in a small scale at the moment but uh, i think that's indicative of 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 something that's doing quite well there we go now instead of everyone just sending out templates everyone's just gonna follow up on top now (laughs) yeah it it really honest honestly though it, it doesn't work if you're you know just sending if you don't build a good relationship with the person while you're doing it and you need really need like high quality people manning your outreach if you're not doing it yourself you really need to invest a bit of time like talking to people most of these people we have like 20 emails back and forth with so it's not like a an easy thing to do in in that sense but it's, it's definitely worth trying yeah um, that, that's why we we invested in like having better people handle outreach emails as well like people with like customer service experience and so on that really paid off for us actually. yeah so i mean like to answer the miss anonymous anonymous's question i think for the most part, health ambition uh, money pages rank just because of our overall high domain authority. There's until recently, there's very little on-page SEO we'd really done for this. I mean, there is keyword research in there, obviously, but you know our site structure was pretty bad. I mean, it's still we're still in the process of improving that. A lot of the, these pages were quite far away from the homepage and whatnot. So uh, 
yeah, I mean, hopefully things will even get, get even better once we finish sorting all that out. Yeah, what, what we're doing well is uh, finding low combination keywords. Like we're pretty good at keyword research, and that gives us a pretty high hit rate on these pages. Like we just know we see we see pages with very few links ranking on page one with sites that are have like equal or lower domain authority than us. And we know that we don't need much to compete. And most of our commercial pages don't have links, actually, despite what we just talked about. So that's preparation is definitely where you win the battle, I would say. Yeah. But I mean, just one thing before we move on is we've actually, we have built like really a lot of links to this site uh, yes. manually. I think over a thousand so far. Over a thousand, no, we've over a thousand links in the last six months, I think, you know? Right. If you check I, I mean, there are there are a lot more which have, have been built, which have been acquired. What do you call it? Naturally, but like manually. Yeah, but still, still, I'm checking HS right now, and like I'm looking at referring domains. Right, exactly no. a year ago, we were at 1,331 linking domains. Today, we're at 2,742. So okay, no, we probably built like 700 of these in the last 12 months, rather. No, it's almost a thousand. We have a, I have a spreadsheet tracking every single one of them. So okay, <laughs> then, right. then okay, yeah. you can see, guys, that Mark is managing that process, not me, obviously. <laughs> I'm just looking at HRF, so I'm like, oh, it's going really well. <laughs> okay, cool. Let's move on to the next question. It's actually from the same person. So, see, we do actually answer all of all of your audio questions. So, remember to submit those to us. Let's hear it. Second question I have is, what do you do? Say, um, say you like approach the site with an infographic and mini guest post or a regular guest post, and the site actually publishes it but removes your link. What do you do in this case? And keep in mind the link is not to a home page, it's not to an overly commercial page, it's not to a product review page, it's to a relevant blog post with good information. But if for some reason they don't like it anyways, they just like delete the link. But they keep up, you know, it's like they basically stole your content and get content for free, but remove your link. Would you go back and email them and ask them about it? Or do you just like forget about it and move on? What do you do in this case? Because this has happened to me a few times when doing outreach, like, they, they would post my content but remove my link. So what do you do then? So basically, I work for free, right? I wrote them an article to get free content. I don't even get a link. So what do I do? Okay, so I mean, this is a pretty straightforward one. Like, if you give someone a guest post and they take out your link but still publish it, what should you follow up? I mean, of course. As she said, you know, it's basically they're like stealing your time almost or stealing your work. Yeah, I mean, even if it's not you that's, that's doing it, it's, uh, you know, content costs money. So... Absolutely. I mean, ideally, you would agree to, I mean, generally, when someone says guest posts, unless it's a very, very large site, it's they're they're probably they probably understand that, yes, they're going to be receiving content, and they will have to link to you. Um, If you're insert some websites have a lot of like different policies, some only allow one link per article. So it's possible that if you're maybe citing a number of different sources or you have a number of different links in your article that they've removed all of them except the first one or except the last one. That happens quite a lot. So it might be worth just clarifying that. But absolutely, you should go back to them and say, hey, why did you remove this and see what's up? I mean, we've had it happen like once or twice. It's quite rare. And normally they have a good reason and we will try and address whatever reason that was. Like there was too many ads on the page or that we're trying to link to or something like that. It's fixable 99% of the time. I think we had one case where they just, 
they kept it published and they they refused to to do link to that page and that kind of like the relationship broke down a bit at that point and it's just you know you tried it's probably not worth it it's probably probably okay just to let that that odd one kind of go i mean i, I think some local decides also make it their business model you know like uh, it's mostly when we were doing like really really large scale gaze posting when we had an agency you know there would be these sites that would be like you know borderline on what we would accept or not and really they ended up just being content farms where the people are stealing the guest post content putting adsense around you know and trying to take the links up so it does happen so i think the selection process of the the sites you're going to be selecting when you you know you do your, uh, your prospecting is quite important like maybe you raise your standards a little bit another thing i would do is i would probably look at other guest posts on that site and i would look if there's any links in there yeah that's a good one uh, and if these links are do follow and yeah, after that you can, and you can follow up. But if it's one of these sites that you know does that at large scale, they're just gonna ignore you. So you you better on moving on. Although you know when we started Authority Hacker, I did guest post on uh, get on the Get Response blog at least uh, I remember, and they literally removed any mention to Authority Hacker. Not even the links, right? It, not just the links, the mention of the website, the name, right? It's written by Gail Breton, some kind of some kind of French freelancer. And I got mad at their marketing team and they did not understand what was wrong, you know? <laughs> they were like, oh, I don't know. And literally like, I mean, now we have a good relationship with them. But at the time, I know like that that marketing girl I was dealing with literally just hated my guts because I was pushing <laughs> for it. At the end, she, she added my link back. So it's worth fighting for it, especially if it's on the high profile site. And, you know, now we still we have a good relationship with them now. So it was that one marketing exec that probably wasn't very familiar with the industry and just just felt like people should write for free for get response you know hmm. so so it can happen also because of a misunderstanding of some basic rules because especially in big sites right i mean like these people like the, the people that are there they're like employees that you know don't really care too much about the industry they just took some random marketing job because they have to pay their rent or whatever it does happen especially in big companies or they might not even know that it's like an seo thing yeah uh, exactly. to, to have have these kind of links so it's not always for nefarious purposes that people are, are deliberately removing it although maybe in that case case uh you mentioned it was who knows um yeah so so all i'm saying is like you know there could be a big misunderstanding it's worth pushing but there's also people that will you know at scale still content so you need to be careful on your prospecting as well okay cool let's move on to the next question then hey mark and gail this is alex from alabama calling in with a question for y'all's podcast so this is a follow-up question in essence to something that gail mentioned on the recent podcast about hiring writers Gail, you said something to the effect of most people don't know how much revenue each piece of content is generating. And I'm one of those people, um, and that motivated me to find out. So my question is, how do you guys determine how much revenue each piece of affiliate content is generating? Um, I say affiliate content because I monetize with Amazon Associates. The link tracking is poor, um, so it's hard to know, you know which revenue to attribute to which content so i'd love to hear y'all's thoughts on how you go about doing that and hopefully you can answer this on your next podcast thanks okay so this is quite an interesting one actually it's something you and i have been talking a lot about quite recently and we're still getting in the process of fixing yeah 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 (laughs) so 
it's quite, I guess it's like an analytics kind of question, although it's not quite Google Analytics. I mean, yeah, analytics can be a lot more than Google Analytics. Yeah. yeah so it's around like knowing how much money each piece of content is generating. Now, it's quite important because uh, Alex said that he, this was for affiliate income. Um, he does a lot of Amazon, promotes a lot of stuff on Amazon. If you're selling your own product, in this case, it's actually a lot easier because you can generally track conversions much easier because you basically control the whole funnel. Where it gets difficult is with affiliates, when you're an affiliate rather, because you don't always have proper like tracking links and you aren't always able to like pass the right data through and extract the right data out in ways of reports. A lot of tools like iDev Affiliate and one or two others actually have some way of doing this. Fortunately, as you discovered recently, I think, Gail, Amazon does have a pretty good way of doing this at scale. I mean, I didn't discover it, yeah. but it's like it's something we should have done. We should, something we should have cared a lot more when we start, about when we started, you know, and that's tracking IDs, right? So you can essentially add a unique tracking ID to a number of links you want. And what you want probably to do is to create a tracking ID per page at least so that you see which piece of content, you know, how much money is, is generated per piece of content. And, you know, in the Amazon reports, you can actually sort earnings by tracking ID. So you get to see, okay, this page is this tracking ID, this page is this tracking ID, etc. And you can reverse back how much money a page generates. And that's really important to know that because very often you realize that the pages with the most traffic they're not necessarily the ones making the most money you can calculate things like revenue per thousand visitors etc revenue per click as well on that in that page and all that information allows you to prioritize the link building you're doing so we talked about link building earlier we're like ah you know link building to these commercial pages, which is definitely a lot harder than Infocom. So your cost per link is much higher, or the time spent per link is much higher. And so you need to make sure that these links, they generate revenue. Otherwise, you might as well just do info content and, and you know build links for much cheaper. So that is what it allows you to do. So create a tracking ID per page. Now, historically, you've been limited to 100 tracking IDs in Amazon, which can be a problem if you have a big site, but like we haven't reached 100 IDs, so I'll be 100% honest. But like from all the info I got from the people that do that, like your account is either unlocked to basically unlimited tracking IDs it spawns, or if there's a problem, you can contact the support and they'll give you more tracking IDs. So shouldn't be really uh, an issue with Amazon now. You know, every affiliate network has their kind of like sub ID system. So like, you know, ClickBank has the uh, the sub ID stuff and like iDev affiliate stuff has that stuff as well. Basically, all the systems have that. So start with at least one ID per page. Then if you want to, you know, be more granular, you can create one ID per link per page to like at least maybe test your page layout, etc. Then use what you learn to, you know, change your layout on every page, that kind of stuff. Another thing I like to do as well, like we're getting into A-B testing now. But we use Optimizely, which is definitely not cheap but very powerful, to track link clicks to affiliate clicks and essentially run A-B tests. So, for example, I was testing where we get the comparison page on the page, right? Should the comparison table on the page, rather. Should we put it higher? Should we put it lower, et cetera? And I managed to increase click by, clicks by like 20% by putting it higher. I, try, I tested the, the text in the CTA as well, and I managed to increase the clicks by another 15% doing that and so on. And so... You know, once you have these tracking IDs and you can actually figure out what earnings it generates, you can really be very, very granular into also your page layout and optimize your revenue. So if you're looking to go next level, that's the kind of stuff you want to do. But you need to start with 
putting a lot of tracking IDs. And that means something that's pretty annoying, which is replacing all your links on your site, which is something we're getting to do right now. It's, it really is not nice when you have thousands of links on your site. Do you think that it's worth doing this at the start? Like, it, it, let's say you, you start a new site, you, you haven't made yeah. any money yet. Yeah, because you don't have to replace thousands of links, right? It's just a little bit of work. Every uh, Like, it's a few more seconds to create a new tracking ID every time you create a new post. The problem is when you're in our position, you have hundreds of these posts, right? Yeah. And you need to go replace everything. But if you're doing it every time you create a new post, then it's really less of an issue, you know? Okay. So, yeah, I would start with that for sure. Like, I mean, new site, the new sites we're starting now is definitely starting that way. <laughs> okay, let's move on then. So the next question comes from Jafar, and he's asking about small niche sites. Basically, do small niche sites still work, or do you have to have an authority site to make $1,000 a month, and how much bandwidth and web hosting would I need for a, a large site like that? So I guess it's two parts question. Do small niche sites work? And are there like, do the basic hosts have issues with larger sites? I mean, do small niche sites work? Yeah. I mean, they still exist out there. Obviously, they're being squeezed out slowly, but it's not like a process that happens overnight. Like a lot of people would say like, oh my God, niche sites out there or something like no, it's It's not like that. I just want to chip in something there. Like, it's not the fact that they're a small site that's that caused them to be less viable. It's the fact that most or a large number of these smaller sites, they didn't really have much in the way of good content, and their link building strategies historically were were on the sort of gray black hat side of things. That's why a lot of them ended up falling off, whereas those larger sites, which invested a lot more in high-quality content and like real marketing, real white hat link building, that kind of stuff, um, are still around because of you know success with successive Google updates and whatnot. Yeah, it's really hard to market a small site with just like five reviews on it, you know. Yeah, I mean, once you've once you've reviewed uh, all those five products and you know written a few blog posts about them, like where do you go from there? It's hard to get any kind of growth beyond that that's why i mean that's why we advocate the authority site model really if you want long term it's better overall i would say yeah and i mean they, they look the same when you're starting out as well it's just one has much more scope for growth than the other really yeah it's more about the branding really like it's it's how you position yourself like you could have the same site but one's gonna go hold be called like best memory for mattress 2017.com hmm. and one's going to be called good night night or something whatever it is dot com and then you can have the same site but like one can grow to a big site and another one not really so so you can start small with authority sites and then grow them it's it's all about leaving the door open to grow more now i think the second part of the question is like how much bandwidth and web hosting space would i need for a site like that making $1,000 a month. I mean, to be honest, there are sites making $1,000 a month with a single page and like 10 visits to that page So per month. So like that, the cheapest hosting would do. I like, like lately, I like SiteGround actually. Like I think SiteGround, you know, works. In terms of bandwidth, I mean, I don't think they limit you. Disk space, I think you have 20 GB, which is plenty. I mean, like House Emission is barely 20 GB. So, and we have like hundreds and hundreds of posts. It's not really an issue of web hosting space or whatever. To be frank, 1000 bucks a month, Pretty much any hosting will do. So, yeah. you know. Even Bluehost in that case, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, you know, it won't be ideal, but, you know, you can make it with any hosting. We're not going to say, oh, you need that tool to be successful, whatever. Like, we try to fight that. Like, a lot of people also think that a special team is going to make them more successful or whatever. Not really. 
Yeah, I seem to remember with health ambition, it's like when we're first getting started, it's when you break past, I mean, this is very rough and it will depend on how how many images and stuff you have, but when you break past that, like six figures a month, like 100,000 visitors a month, then a lot of the basic program hosting packages, shared hosting especially, really starts to show its uh, limitations, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it depends how you set up your stuff. So, for example, now like we have a system where we serve our images in JavaScript from Amazon, from uh, Amazon S3 and CloudFront. So, like, our hosting has, like, a lot less work to do. We reduced our bandwidth usage by, like, 80%, right? Yeah. Any kind of basic CDN can help with that, etc. So, it's a little bit more complex than just the hosting. But really, when you're getting started, don't worry too much. Any hosting package will do, and moving your site is really not the end of the world. And most hosting companies will move your sites for free as well. So, this, you know, get whatever fits your budget at that point. All right, great. So, the next question comes from Amin, and he or she, I'm not quite sure, asks basically, like, should I hire an SEO freelancer? So, they're in, they found what they describe as an uncompetitive niche, and they want to hire an SEO freelancer to build some backlinks. We'll talk about that in a second so that they can focus on other things. But their question is, should should they do it? They're scared that that might lead to more competition. So there's two parts to this question, really. And I'm going to address the second part first, which is being scared of that that leading to more competition. I'm not quite sure what you mean there, Min. Maybe you're worried about the SEO freelancer actually realizing it's a good niche and then starting their own site. Is is that what you mean? Uh, Or is it by... Yeah, I think that's what he means by doing like backlinks and outreach and stuff then you might tip the tip the competition off to to being aware that that you know you're doing it and then they might start doing it so i mean in any case like in either case i would say like don't worry about competition in that sense an uncompetitive niche there are probably a few uncompetitive niches out there which are good but honestly, most of them aren't very good. And the reason niches are uncompetitive is because is there's not that much money in them, at least sometimes. And I know it's all relative, uh, like how, how you define high or low competition, I guess. But I would never sort of be scared. I mean, what's the alternative? You don't do anything and don't make any money anyway. You might as well go for it, right? So, I mean, that's the second part. The first part of the question is like hiring an SEO freelancer so you can focus on other things. I've said this many times, like you have to be so careful with this. It's one of the most difficult things you can do in this type of business early on is hiring an SEO freelancer. If you go to Upwork or even worse, Fiverr and try and hire someone off of there, the links you're going to get, the quality of work you're going to get is going to be atrocious. Uh, unless you spend really a lot of money on like a $100 an hour person not work or something. And it's going to come back to bite you further for the down the line. We have a question a little bit later from someone who got hit by uh, a Google Fred penalty for having bad links. And this is exactly like how that happens by by having uh, bad SEO freelancers, if, if you call them that, building links to your, your site. Okay, I'll just put a little bit of, uh, I'm not sure if it's a, because of the links that that person got hit, we'll talk about it then. Mm-hmm. But we don't really know what Fred does, so it's kind of hard to tell Like it's because of the links. <laughs> One thing I want to say is the people that we hire to build links for us, none of them have SEO background. And we make a point that they don't. Because most people in SEO have really bad habits. Like I remember interviewing people when we had an agency. Like We interviewed a lot of people that 
quote unquote had experience, right? And and I've seen things that I don't wish my worst enemy ever sees, you know, <laughs> including people that I've literally opened analytics in front of them. I'm like, what do you see? And the answer, blue dots, you know, or people that manage 50,000 pounds per month campaigns and don't know what negative keywords are on AdWords, which is, you know, basically like AdWords 101. And so overall, like people calling themselves SEO professionals, SEO freelancers, et cetera, they usually low skill people. I would much rather hire someone that I can train from the ground up, which is what we've done with all the people that build our links and people that upload our content and stuff. None of them was in online marketing before. And the people that we've hired back then, also, you know, 90% of them had zero background in that. And they all, they all did a really good career now after we've trained them. But uh, overall, be very careful of anyone calling themselves an SEO professional. And that's why I try to call ourselves as like just like full-stack marketers rather than like SEO people because even though we use a lot of SEO because it's it's quite dangerous. As for the competition, like any niche, even uncompetitive, there's going to be already hundreds of competitors in there. Like you might have found a niche that's slow competition, but there's already people in there spending money every day to grow a website, right? Even if that guy takes your idea and starts a website, well, instead of competing with a thousand sites, you're going to be competing with one, a thousand and one sites. So unless you have a real secret source formula for your site that you know, nobody else uses, honestly, even if that person tries to start a website that competes directly with yours, it's not going to change everything. It's It's... So minor the impact it's gonna have on your on your bottom line and how much money you're gonna make. So I wouldn't worry too much. Yeah, and just uh, on the hiring for backlinks thing, I think the best approach, um, at least in our experience, has always been build the process yourself, do it yourself, like actually get involved in doing the outreach or guest posting or whatever it is you're doing, and then hire people to do specific parts of that process. So you can hire someone to do the initial outreach, but don't hire someone who's an SEO professional, just hire someone who's a good worker in general, or who has, you know, people skills or data skills or something, whatever you need for that specific part of the process, hire for that. You can use Upwork or something in that case, and just train them yourself and keep an eye on them and monitor them. You can't outsource SEO effectively. Um, you have to build those processes internally and hire for it. Okay, next question. Okay, so next question is from uh, Greg Bujin, Budgen, not, not sure how you pronounce that, um, saying, uh, or I'm wanting to embed links to YouTube and Pinterest on my site. Um, what are the legalities of doing this in embedding? I, I think he means like embedding videos rather than links. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Or in the case of Pinterest, like pins. So, I mean, it's totally legal to do that. and They give you the code for it, right? So, yeah. Like they give you the embed code. So, so the the, li- um, the licenses which these sites have, I mean, I, I'm not a lawyer and I'm not going to get into the whole full legalities of this stuff. But basically, the whole thing, these sites are set up so that anyone can embed this content on any site. And when you upload a video to YouTube, for example, you acknowledge that that can happen and you give them the ability to do that you sign your rights away in in that regard so um, if you go on youtube there's like a just below the video there should be like an embed tab um, which you can click on share actually it's in the share section and then there's an embed code there yeah and if you just copy paste that into into your wordpress code basically um it will input the video nicely and um yeah that's that's it you don't you don't need to do anything else you don't need to attribute 
add attribution links or anything like that, like you do with some images, like Creative Commons images, for example. If you're if you're finding those, um, you need to link to those um, depending on the license and whatnot. So for YouTube and Pinterest, absolutely fine. I mean, it does it on its own, right? When you use the embed code, like you put the YouTube player on your site, you know, you click on the YouTube icon of the player and it takes you to the original video on YouTube. So the link is there. Same with Pinterest. You click on the title, uh, it takes you on the Pinterest uh, icon, sorry, and it takes you to the pin on Pinterest. So, you know, the attribution is built in the embed, essentially. Yeah. Okay, next question is from Fernando. Uh, he's asking about site structure. So how can I restructure an already existing site with tons of content into silo structure without causing too much interruption to the current site? Uh, it depends on the URL structure, right? Uh, like, that's going to get a bit technical for the people who don't know, but basically if you are in, if you're in your permalinks in WordPress, hopefully you have WordPress, you have just the article as the URL, then you don't have your categories in there, then you can move content between categories and you know it doesn't do much essentially because the URL of the pages don't cha- doesn't change. If you have the categories in the URL and you move people, uh, pages categories, well, it's going to change the URL of the piece of content. WordPress automatically does a 301 redirect when you change the URL. So it's not the end of the world, but you will definitely have shaky rankings. That's where Perry and I tend to differ. I tend to, most of the time, not all the time, only use the post name, so not put the categories in the URL. Uh, I did it in the test website because, you know, I wanted to, like, I did a very clean version of it. But, you know, if you check the Mission, for example, it's not there. I don't think it's a big deal, especially now because there is the category schema markup. So if you like see a page of health admission in Google, for example, instead of seeing the URL uh, of where you're going to be taken, it's actually showing you the breakdown of categories and which silo it's in. So I believe Google is, is smart enough to read that. Essentially, it does not need you to have these kind of URLs. If you have a URL structure where you only have the article title in there and not the categories, then you can just move stuff category without any impact, really. It's going to be fine. Your, all your content pages will stay in the same URL, so it's cool. If you have your categories, just don't don't change it. Otherwise, you, it's going to be shaky. The 301 redirect means that you'll probably get your uh, rankings back, but you know it, it will move, and you're not guaranteed it will come back where it was. So that's the answer. Next question comes from Stacy. So this is the last question, um, and this is the one about getting hit, or apparently getting hit by by the Google Fred update. So Stacy says she successfully purchased the site about two years ago. The original owner had purchased a link package to help the site rank when it was first built. And everything was going fine until she believes Google Fred update, which took place in February of this year, 2017. And she says she's been seeing a steady decline in traffic since that update. Um, she's done a backlink audit, disavowed about 35 links, and basically asking if we have any other suggestions at this stage. It's hard without seeing the site or something. Like really giving feedback without seeing the site is pretty much impossible. So we're just going to do our best guess, but you know, 70% chance that it's not going to work. Yeah, we actually, <laughs> we actually did a, a full podcast on this actually a couple months ago when it first came out. We'll link to that in the show notes. I think it was authorityhacker.com forward slash Fred. Um, yeah, for that for that podcast episode, you... it was actually a really popular episode. Actually, I was checking the stats yesterday; mm-hmm. very popular. It seems like we should cover more updates or something like that. Anyway, that's for our call after that. But 
I mean, first of all, the Disable tool doesn't really do much anymore, mostly because uh, Penguin's real-time, and Google said, well, if you have bad links, we're just going to ignore them now. We're not going to penalize for that. But, you know, disavowing links, I don't think it's going to do much. I think the focus is too much on links, and there's probably something else on the site. Because the one thing we know about threat from Google, that's the only thing we know, is that the answer to what the update does, which we don't know what it is, is inside the webmaster guidelines for like uh, like site layout. So it's definitely something that's probably on page, so it may be too much advertising. It may also be because like the pop-up update kicked out, like you know that there's another update that signed in January, but really didn't really take effect at the beginning. So maybe you have pop-ups that are intrusive and annoying, and that could be the reason why on mobile. Otherwise, like yeah, just just downscale your the aggressivity of your monetization. That's that's the one thing I would do. Like I would not worry too much about links. I don't think links can really do much these days. You know, I haven't done an extensive research on that, so like don't quote me on that. But Google has definitely been turning down the effect of bad links on your rankings. They just ignore them now, or at least that's what they say. So it's probably something on your site. But since we can't see the site, there's not much else I can say. All right, then uh, I think I think we're done. So that's like the fastest podcast we've done in like ages, by the way. <laughs> so well, I mean, once again, guys, uh, we'll try and do these podcasts, these kind of podcasts, more often. And at the end of every regular podcast, which is every Monday, we do answer at least most of the time answer one of these uh, ask questions. So if you guys want to submit your question to us, it can be about anything to, about marketing, or it can be about business, or even like politics and religion. If you if you really want to go there. You can ask us these questions on authorityhacker.com forward slash ask. That's A-S-K. All right. Thanks for joining, guys. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening to the Authority Hacker Podcast. If you enjoyed this show, don't forget to rate us on iTunes and send us a screenshot on authorityhacker.com slash bonus to claim your free premium Authority Hacker training.